0: People go into dispensary and they look at the menu and they see which one has the highest percentage of THC and they buy that. That is not necessarily means it's the most potent strain, am I right?
1: Higher THC does not equate to a more elevated experience.
0: To a very special live edition of in the weeds with jimmy young on location no i am in front of a virtual background from the summit lounge that's where we expected to be for this show tonight unfortunately the snow came people freak out about snow around here i totally understand it we have postponed it but we'll be back on march 1st and that is a wednesday And doors will open at 630, and we'll be posting the information over the next few weeks. And you can buy yours. There's only going to be 50 tickets. That's all we're going to sell. And obviously, there's going to be some live audience participation, and that's what we're really looking forward to. I'm also looking forward to talking to two of our favorite people here at Pro Cannabis Media, James Buhrer and Wendy Kornberg. Congratulations, guys, on your upcoming nuptials. And they join us from Humboldt County, the son of his farm. Uh, You guys, every time I read what's going on in California uh, with the rains and uh, all the other stuff that goes on when you have too much water, I do think of you. How challenging has it been this year with all that weather in California?
1: I want to say like, it's beautiful. Can't you tell? No, a virtual <laughs> background. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the blessing of Humboldt County is that there are a lot of outdoor farms. So most aren't in operation right now. And uh, you know, if they're outdoor in the ground, like our farm is, there's not really infrastructure. So, for the most part, Southern Humboldt County has been relatively unscathed, other than you know some typical trees going down and roads washing out. But um, I really feel for the people that are further south and that have infrastructure like greenhouses because those apparently have not fared extremely well. Um, you know, we've kind of just bootstrapped by hand pulling tarps and things, so <laughs> we're we're fine.
0: Well, that's good. I'm very happy. And and James, I know you're involved. In fact. Our mutual friend Ben Morgan Dillon is in Colombia right now. Did you, you guys knew that, didn't you?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I put him in touch. Uh, hopefully, they got in touch with some people down there that uh, are from Colombia that came out to the farm this last year.
0: Yeah, and we just talked to a guy named John Schwartz down there like two weeks ago, and I forwarded Ben uh, his information too because I talked to him on Saturday but James you're going to get involved you're involved with the uh, super organic natural grow conference out in (laughs) did I screw that up did I screw it up tell me about the conference in Sturbridge Massachusetts go ahead.
2: Yeah, well, it's it's our second year. We uh, we did our first year last year there in Sturbridge, so we're doing round two in Sturbridge again. It's three days of regenerative agriculture education. It's cannabis the whole and food perverse paradigm. Cannabis is agriculture, destroy. and uh, we we're trying to bring all the camps together to talk. And so we're bringing in researchers and scientists and farmers. Uh, you know, there's probably over 200 years of experience collectively there of people who have been doing this and are kind of on the, the cutting edge of some of the soil science stuff. So it's going to be uh, three intensive days. If you come be prepared to, you know, take a couple of days of rest afterwards, because that's a lot of note-taking for sure.
0: That, and that's what, that's what I took <laughs> away. Okay. Because Wendy knows I, I still have my black thumb. Okay. And I can't grow anything. That being said, I remember watching the people in the audience copious notes I mean, they were there like at eight a m to six p m. And their notes, I mean, pads of paper. there was intense information being shared there, one right after another after another. And i and I've seen I've certainly seen the lineup. It looks like you've got another great lineup coming up,
2: yeah. I and mean, we we added uh, Dr. James White from Rutgers University this year. His team has kind of been on the
1: I was going to say for for those people that, don't know who he is you're so funny how you keep linking in and out he disappears <laughs> when i start talking apparently
0: that's a good um, that's a good skill a to have as a new as as you know anyway never no, go ahead disappearing.
1: <laughs> um so for those who don't know who dr james white is uh jeff loenfell's new book Teeming with bacteria no yes mm-hmm. oh it bacteria is bacteria. i want i always want to go rise of, it's about the rhizophagy cycle and a lot of that book is based on dr james white's work so there's, you get to actually listen to the person who inspired Jeff Lohenfell's new book, which I think is like, you know, I don't know. I geek out on that stuff. I think it's exciting. Yeah.
2: You and know. I think the, the coolest part about the conferences is the the networking. So not only will you get to hear him speak, but he's super excited to meet the attendees and hear their questions. And the some of the biggest feedback we got from last year was more audience participation, which we already had a lot of. So this year, some of the talks are 100% audience led. So you you get to ask what you want to hear about. I think Dan Kitchers is going to take questions for like 10 minutes before he even starts talking. So it'd really be geared towards what you need it to be. Uh, but I think, you know, the networking is indispensable. There's there's going to be a lot of commercial cultivators there and and home growers and, you know, people from all different walks of life. And so you never know what can can come of that for sure. I know we made some some really great new friends last year and we're hoping to do the same this year.
0: I was one of those new friends, you know. Uh, Eric, have you ever grown cannabis? You said have I ever? Have you ever grown it? Have you ever tried to grow it? I've tried to, I wasn't (laughs) successful. That's why I have a lot of good friends that do. (laughs) I'm with you, man. You know, and by the way, you've got a live thing in your life right now that's taking up a lot of your time, right? Your son, you you don't need another live thing, right? (laughs) Like a plant. And Elena, have you ever tried tried to uh, grow cannabis?
1: You know, I live on the shady side of the street, so I don't know if my apartment would be conducive to growing a beautiful bud, but my brother has a fantastic setup in his basement and he is mm. growing inside his home and very successful at it and so that's always something I look forward to when I go home you know I get to have a little fun time with my brother and it's just it's what he grows in his basement it's
0: like wow. I, I remember none of you people remember the 70s okay so I get it okay but I remember the 70s and I remember how grow was always looked down upon and now with all the craft growers that are out there the smaller the grow it seems like the more potent is the strain now am i being an idiot here wendy <laughs> do i know what i'm talking about
1: um well so i would say that there's some data out there that actually disproves that and there's some that holds it up it's okay. really more varietal specific and then your testing lab would be the other caveat so if you look across the board, like California weed is stronger because our test results are higher, but is that legit or is there some inflation happening? Uh, you know. <laughs>
0: okay, you guys, you both of you, probably everybody on this call right here knows more about um, chemistry and weed than I do for sure. That that's a no-brainer. People go into dispensaries and they look at the menu. <laughs> they see which one has the highest percentage of THC, and they buy that. That is not necessarily means it's the most potent strain. Am I right?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're 100% right. The, The higher THC doesn't mean you're getting more high. There's well, a whole lot of other th- factors involved there.
1: And and even just based on numbers, just because you're buying the highest number doesn't mean you're buying the highest currency <laughs> yeah. because again, numbers are, you you in most states, there is a COA, a certificate of analysis that a laboratory does. They third-party test your cannabis and they say this is at this percentage. Legally, you have to put that percentage on regardless of what it may or may not be. So, you know, there's some kind of, wonkiness in legislation and policy that dictates what that number is. And of course, the labs that have the highest number get the most business, because you're selling the most weed. So it all kind of comes back around into some kind of poorly created policy and legislature where they didn't really get what they were legislating. And, um, and, you know, in lieu of that, that's that you're spending more money to probably not get more high, because again, you can't really trust the numbers first. And then secondarily, higher THC does not equate to a more elevated experience. And this has been proven time and again, there was a great study done by University of Colorado, I think in like 2019, where they had people self-assess and they said they, they. Um, calibrated, or not calibrated, but they um, looked at their level of inebriation, or uh, I think they called it inebriation, which I didn't really like that term, but whatever, Uh, how high they got after smoking a low THC in the 18% range versus one that was in the high THC, like the 24% range, Um, or maybe it was higher. I don't recall the statistics exactly, but you can look it up and find the information. And there was no, they didn't, it didn't equate. They And they did the same thing for concentrate, a 70% versus a 90%. And the people said, the 70 hit me the same as the 90. Like I didn't get higher because I had more THC. There was more THC in their bloodstream with blood analysis. So that to me is more important because if you have cancer and you're trying to fight with high THC, then you might need something that does have that higher level. And knowing that you won't necessarily get as high is maybe a good thing for a patient. But yeah. for a recreational user, dude, save your money. Buy two eighths instead of one eighth of the 18% instead of the 38% and enjoy yourself for twice as long.
2: Yeah. And a lot of this is it's 100%. It goes to education of the consumer and of the people who have been using cannabis for decades because this research wasn't able to be done out in the light of day. And now that it is, we can kind of put some of these things to rest and it really you know, like Wendy said, if there's a medical efficacy behind it, great. But beyond that, you should be looking at, you know, what does it do for you in the experience? And there's a lot of heads who've been around for a long time that I'll tell you it's something at like 16, 17% THC that's more balanced and has a
0: good terpene profile. It'll knock you out. Yeah, that's right. Hey, um, I really appreciate you guys, uh, sharing your knowledge. I, I'm never, ever, ever, uh, Sad to talk with you because I really learn something all the time. Do you cringe when you hear some of the state legislators looking at uh, limiting THC content in? You guys are smiling. Of course you are, right? Because it just shows their ignorance. Am I right?
2: Well, it goes beyond just limiting in an individual product. They're trying to limit how much you can buy in a given period of time, which is right. severely limiting a patient's ability to medicate themselves. Um, mm. Which they, you know, they weren't doing that. You know, they don't do it for almost any medication. They certainly didn't do it for opiates until very recently, and that's only because they're getting their hands smacked so hard over it, and so many people have died. Well, the fact that you know cannabis is extremely safe to use. Uh- and then they're going to put this restriction on patients, it seems really, really gross and uh, unethical.
1: And I'm actually, I hold a rather controversial view on this one. Uh, limiting the amount you can buy, I think is is not, it's a terrible tactic for all the reasons James just said. But putting a cap on THC, especially in the form of flour, I'm almost I'm almost a proponent. Because honestly, again, we have elevated levels. You know, there's lawsuits in California right now against brands for having inflated test levels on their packaging. But again, it's not their fault. They legally had to put on whatever the lab gave back. So if we have a cap on it that says you can't sell more than a 28% THC flower, guess what? We have more legitimacy and more honesty in the industry because people aren't inflating those numbers anymore. I don't think it should be on the label,
2: period. Well
1: right because that's more of a pharmaceutical thing again um and you also have people that now are going to try more 18 percent and realize that they have a broader experience when they have something that is more balanced in terpenes and cannabinoids and by that i don't mean like balanced across the board but it is my james is like i can't figure out where i'm supposed to be to make him not disappear Couple uh, years
0: in, you'll want them to disappear. So
1: so balanced in the terms of like a closer ratio, like 18% cannabinoids to 2% terpenes, rather than 38% cannabinoids and 0.5% terpenes. I think that you know what is now being challenged as being called the what we called the entourage effect, and now for some reason we don't like that term. um, But that effect is distinct in that these cannabinoids and terpenes work together with a certain synergy and when you have them in different balances they work differently to create a different experience
3: we
2: need to remember too there's a lot of new consumers to the market that as soon as they smoke something that is crazy high in potency you've scared them out of the marketplace they don't want anything to do with it so if your idea is to grow this industry and this economy you have to attract new customers and in order to do that there has to be medicine that's available to them that's accessible too it can't be something that they smoke one time and they're like I don't want to do that ever again Mm -hmm. it needs to be something where they can enjoy it and then kind of taper up as they as they
0: go yeah It's a fascinating plant to be around. It really is. There's so many elements to it: Uh, the the business side, the botanical side, the legal side, the injustice side. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I just love talking about it and then doing these kinds of shows because you hear from different parts of the country what is going on and how we might be able to fix this at some point. You know, in the beginning, and I think, well. Most of the people on this screen are parents. Okay, Elena, you're not a parent yet. Take your time. All right.
1: Not a kid, so sometimes. yeah, that's
0: right. But you know that as a parent, you put boundaries on your kids. You wanted that. You want them to say, okay, this is what you can do, and this is what you can do, but don't go on the other side. And I really do think that the people that are making the laws are trying to do that with a product that they just don't understand. And. And I don't know what's going to happen in the next year, let alone the next ten years. But usually, the kids push up against those boundaries, right? I know I did, and they try to try to get away with it. Let's just say this will obviously have a big effect on the legacy market. If you limit, if you put limits on uh, THC content in testing or whatever. People are just going to say, you know what, I don't need, I don't care if it's tested. I don't care if it's clean. I don't care. I'm just going to go back to my man over here or my woman over here. I don't want to play favorites and and buy my legacy weed. Yeah, they already have. They already are
2: because most of what's available in the commercial market in a lot of these states isn't up to the quality that they're used to. And there is, in some cases, overregulation that makes things too difficult for operators to operate in a way that makes sense. Uh, because things are so tight and it makes it hard to get quality into the market and and keep it there and store it properly. There's a lot of things that go into that. But I think to Wendy's point, if the more education that happens and the more people experience this wider breadth of what cannabis is and can be, then the question of how high the THC is really becomes one that no one's even asking anymore because it's a different conversation. Right.
0: Very cool. Hey, speaking of different conversations, how do people get tickets to your super-duper organic natural conference in Sturbridge? (laughs) Organiccultivators.net.
2: There you Uh, go. All the information's there. Um, And uh, yeah, you can find a speaker or a sponsor. They all have codes for for a percentage off. So, um, yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's, um, for people who... Are uh Here. who equity recipients or people who just can't afford to go who who can maybe make the trip or are local to the area we do have um, equity and scholarship tickets available so if you can't go or you're 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 tight you on money um, but you can make it yeah yeah if you can go and yeah. whatever um, there's a form on the website so if you look under um, the all conference all things conference tab there's everything's right there
1: there's it's kind of hidden there's it's down at the towards the bottom ish and there's a little click tab that says you know um exactly equity right. scholar uh, oh is it at the top now okay it's at the top it's now always been there. oh You're well always i couldn't there. find it
0: <laughs>
2: i can't find uh-huh. anything so it's in the multiple website.
1: places apparently
0: under the all things
2: Conference. under
1: the stand, all like things conference I said. Tab. It's
0: all apparently. right what Wendy James from Humboldt County, California. Uh, Great great to see you. I look forward to seeing you in person in 3D uh, in in, in just a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. Cannabis standard time. My God. Sometimes it flies. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back on the other side, one of the most energetic passionate people that I've ever met in the cannabis industry is Gary George from New York City. The real cannabis entrepreneur joins us after our next break. Don't go away. It's a whole perverse paradigm that feeds destruction and inappropriate power dynamics because we don't understand that we're animals and belong in nature and should be, you know, having sovereignty and self-sufficiency and things like that. But, um, Don't get me started on politics, or consciousness,
3: or strategy in the movement, because we'll we'll lose the agronomy track and, and have a whole another interesting and exciting conversation. I think cucumbers are dumb, and I think they all should be pickles. Like, I just, why eat a raw cucumber when you could eat a pickle? Having more data is always better. No one's gotten botulism from fermentation, and it's been around thousands of years, so we've got a good track record on that. If you can become sustainable, you are protecting yourself in the long run. Oh, we just sprayed that field, so you can't go in there for an hour. I'm like, yeah, I thought it was organic. Well, yeah, it is, but when it's wet, you can't walk in there. this is a stupid system. This is dumb. And that's when you realize as an organic farmer, this organic farming thing is kind of bubkiss. And then it went to like sustainable. Oh, we're beyond organic. Oh, now we are no, we're sustainable. And you're like, th- these are all getting taken by corporations and stuff and just getting greenwashed. And you're like, no, 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 no. Okay, we got a regenerative. And they are like, oh, now everybody's hopping on that now. And you're like, well, if you're not going to do it, don't say you are. Build systems around constant monitoring of your environment, of your energy usage, of where things are going. You should be able to track down to milliliters, the water in your, facility, where it is going at any given point in time. When a plant has a sheen on its leaf, that means it's fat and happy. Oh, someone pickled purslane, and people are spraying Roundup on that? Like, that's freaking delicious. I can pick that as a weed on my farm, pickle it or ferment it, and then sell it to someone in a jar with a label, and they're gonna pay me a bunch of money for my weeds, like, that I didn't take care of, I didn't water, I didn't plant them. I just let them do their thing, and people are like, oh, this is fancy pickles. And I'm like, I like this. I like where this is going, cause hey, Lazy farmer, I don't wanna do all the work. I'm gonna let let the weeds work for me. I'll sell those. I'll just pickle you and make eight bucks for a pint jar. Like, that's easy.